All right. So, Shane, welcome to the Business Growth Mindset Top Achievers Podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Mate, thank you. I, I, I know that you've been uh, flying around, even during COVID, and uh, I know that you know you recently came back from Perth. We are even checking in yesterday to see where you were, and you've also been unwell, so, and I know that you're incredibly busy. So being here today, I, apart from the fact that I'm privileged that we're friends, so I get to see a bit more of you than other people, but just to make the extra time for today, I know that our listeners are going to be wrapped. So, I'll give it a crack and <laughs> the voice a bit squeaky, but uh, that's right. We'll... I reckon Alex has got enough mics around us, <laughs> it should be okay. So, tell me, before we dive into today's podcast, right, why don't you share a little bit about you, and I, and I know this is a tough question for you, but a little bit about you and, and your business, I guess even the business of imagination, and sort of where that sort of started and but start with who you are. Start. Um, you know what? I guess who I who am I? I'm just a curious serial entrepreneur. And you know what? It doesn't matter whether I'm trying to solve, you know, how many days I can keep fairy floss alive in packets to create a new business opportunity or to finding the next big thing. I'm just curious, and that's what drives the whole thing. I've never. You know, apart from the first couple of years out of school, worked for anybody. Um, I've, you know, in fact, a holding company I'm the CEO of and I'm center of today is um, a company I started in 1984 when I was like 16 years old. So um, it's still the same holding company. Um, and, you know, I'm very proud of that. But, you know, we do, we've just been in and out of a lot of things. And, you know, I'll take some shots at things and they don't work out so well. And we'll take some shots and they work out incredibly well. So um, today the business is really, you know, I've got some uh, interest in, you know, several aviation, aviation groups, about nine companies. And that's, you know, really using similar business models to what we use, which is old world businesses and new world tech and looking for the, you know, looking for the grey areas in the future. Um, and they you know, run all the Westpac rescue helicopters and half the power in the country and thing. And it started out as a, hey, how do I find some sponsorship for something? So it's, you know, it's kind of interesting. And you know, that business will go on to do some really interesting things. That's Hellstar, right? Yeah, well, it's <laughs> part of the um, Aerostar group. And um, there's about nine companies in that group, and capital funds and things, whatever. So, you know, it's a rather big business today. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some great people down there that run that. I am you know, a board member and you know, director. And, chairman of a couple of companies I think but uh, the uh, it's you know I really just put you know the innovation input um, or the sprinkle dust on the top and try and you know herd the cats in the in the old world businesses in the new world way to get better value I guess but um, most of my business um, has been in entertainment I started off as a cameraman I speak home and um, from there I became a producer and from a producer to executive producer and um, from executive producer to try and work out how to make money out of television um, different ways. And uh, back then it was, you know, the, the boring way was more ratings, more revenue. It was more about how do you use the power of the media from my current affairs days at Nine Network, um, you know, where the media was so powerful. And so how do I use this powerful media to um, do really interesting things? And, you know, come back 25 years, we've been on the front of... You know, um, we used to make a, a surfing television show for Coke, and uh, it was it was kind of weird. It, you know, I lived at Whale Beach, and there was this opportunity when you know, all the guys from the Nine Network lived in this house, and the Whale Beach was where all the f- world famous surfers hung out. And suddenly, we're making a show for Saturday mornings, which was you know 
sort of MTV for surfing and um, got Coke to invest in surfing around the world and basically took part of Coke's ad budget and then started making television shows and out of the TV shows we got Quicksilver and Billabong and everyone to sponsor these TV shows and out of that, you know, we had, you know, my Grace Brothers came to us and said, well, Quicksilver and Billabong and all those guys don't, don't, won't, we're not allowed to sell their cool brands. And we went, well, that's okay, we've got a brand now that we've built, so brands <laughs> build brands. So we put a brand called NRG and suddenly we've got a, you know, a surfing brand. So I learned about brands and merch. And then from there, you know, I hired a guy, there was a guy called Tim Shaw, who used to be Demtel, you know, the steak knife mm-hmm. guy. I still remember him coming to my 30th birthday party and giving me steak knives. Um, but he, we hired him and had him do a segment on our show for a, um, trying to make some more money because you know, we were struggling to pay our bills. And, uh, you know, these, these blokes that had this show that I think cost 17 grand a week to make, and uh, we didn't make any money. And we put this little segment in there to give away 5,000 bucks worth of free stuff from all these, you know, Bill Bond Quicksilver stickers or whatever. And suddenly we were making 30, 40, 50 grand out of phone calls and we'd found this technology that the networks hadn't cracked onto yet, which became double the premium rate goals yeah. for competition. Wow. So we'd be running down, the, running down the street on a Saturday morning with bags full of cash. And uh, <laughs> um, that was just using tech to find new ways to, you know, interact with the audience. So that became sort of, you know, where, it, you know, still not much different today uh, interacting in media and audience and controlling experiences between humans but today i've probably got um you know been a 25 year overnight success and you know who knows where it's going to take me but we've basically built around you know games games gaming gameplay patterns talent tech um retail i've got a group um that's under 10 people that ships to 82,000 retail stores in the world um that's mm. you know but he Navy still stuff, and you know, I just got off the phone in the middle of the night in um, New York right now, and the guy's filling in stuff for Walmart, and we've got eight items in Walmart next year. There wouldn't be another company in South Australia, or you know, not many in Australia, I wouldn't think, that actually have a trading account at Walmart for the last 20 years. That's right. Yeah, look, you and I have had heaps of these conversations, and I just read the word, I, I mean, I love the point that you made, brands build brands, and I think if you've really put that in our conversations anyway, and over all the years, you've reminded me of that. But the one thing that you also do better than anyone I've ever met is patents. You you know how to trademark, you know how to search for trademarks. I mean, yeah, it it's, is... It's pretty easy, though. I mean, back in the TV days, you know, at Beyond, when there was only a telex machine before faxes, you'd have to send off $2,500 to Thompson's in... Virginia and wait three months to see if you could use your name. Now I can search the world in like 20 minutes and have them all done. So, um, yes, we do. I mean, we have a holding company that owns a huge portfolio of brands. Um, some we use, some we don't, and some we're you know, intending to use. But um, you know, owning, you've got to own things, right? Whether you're owning a patent mm. and, uh, for different things or you own trademarks, you've got to own, own something. Otherwise, you're renting something. Yeah, and I think that's probably one of the biggest things that you've taught me in in all this time that we've known each other is you've got to actually own something. You know, it, it, if it's not physical, it's got to be something else. And and I think that's one thing that you've done really well over and over again. But what I love about your journey, Shane, uh, I guess for the listeners who don't know you, and that's the objective of today, you impart a lot of value into everything you do because you're so committed to it. Right? Like even before we jumped on the podcast, you persistently pulled out of the ring binder the one piece of paper that was annoying you. And I just looked at it and I thought, shit, I do that. And I just didn't realize that 
you know, you don't when you watch someone else do it, and you're like, no, I'm going to persist until I get this thing out, and you got it out. And and I think that's what I love about you is you do that in business. Once you have an idea, your focus, regardless that you're an incredible serial entrepreneur, let's let's not park let's not park that for a second. But you have a lot of spinning plates on the go. How do you do that? Yeah, I mean, did you? Did you At the end of the day, I'm, I've got a lot of great people. Oh. I don't have as many. You know, I built a company with a lot of people once, and it's actually a hell of a lot easier with a lot less people. Um, but you know what? It's also experience. You know, you can you know you can cut through stuff. And I've been doing this. You know, this isn't something I started yesterday. I've been doing. You know, I'm 54. Um, I've been in business since I was 15 and 13 for my first little buddy foray into retail and you know there's a lot of lessons under the bridge you know and um so experience and but i've got a lot of great people and you know i think you know not that i use any hr people whatsoever i've just been able to gather people on what i call the imagination bus and you know they hop on hop off some go away for 10 years hop on but you know some of the people that have come through our company over 30 years just global rock stars and the world's a pretty small place you know um, I'm opening up in England last week and I made one call and now I've got the guy and now we're doing a venture and now we're doing it's just done yeah your your concept of first who then what I mean Jim Collins famously tabled that line and you definitely have always been okay well who do I want working for me then I'll work out what I'm going to do do you know what I was, I was in Africa at Richard Branson's place and we his head of HR was on a um, uh, one of these day-long things for the world, and I said, "So what's 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 what is it? What's the secret?" And she went, "Higher attitude," and that's it. You can teach anybody any higher attitude. So my higher attitude. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. You can teach anyone anything. So if they don't have the right attitude, then you, that's the one thing you can't teach. Hey, I've, work had, I've had them all work, work for me. You know, CEOs of big companies, yeah. guys that have run pretty, you know, huge things, and they come work and they take a nosedive. It's just, you know what, it's a higher attitude. Yeah. And I think it's also the right fit. You know, like, guys guys like you, you want things done yesterday, and you, because you work at that speed too. Like, I see... Oh, we're pretty relentless. Yeah. Oh, I've, se- I've seen you. I've seen you work non-stop. Even when we're socialising, you will work at the same time. Well, but there's a balance. For you, that is your balance. It's a passion. Do you know what? Everyone mm. just goes, you work hard like this. You know what? Nah. It's just what I do. And you go, you know what? I don't do it for money. Otherwise, you would have given up a long time ago. You just go, you know, we've had the jets and things, got the aircraft, got the houses all over the world, you've got everything you want. It's not about that. It's about going, hey, I'm going to do something, someone else, you know, I'm going to do that or I'm going to do that. And every, Most of the things I do, people go, why hasn't someone else done that? And you go, <laughs> it puts a smile on my face. And you know what? And there is always a way. But honestly, if someone can't, if someone's just listening to this and not seeing what you just said then with the passion in your, in your eyes and your face... It's what always I find remarkable. I say it to you all the time. Every time we catch up, whether it's for a cigar or wine or just a coffee, I always say, I leave. And I just go, I could be doing more, right? Because you're one of those people that just does more. You use every minute, or not even every second of your day, to just be better than the day before. And some of the things you're working on are remarkably massive, right? And we're going to talk about 
uh, and I'll say it now, we'll talk about GameStar at the end, so people have to stay online to listen, uh, which is going to revolutionise interactive gaming at home, it's a, a bit like Netflix did. It's a, it's a very interesting play at a very, mm. very right time. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, we'll leave that till last. But even that wasn't a, wasn't just an idea you came up no with today. Way. It's compounding you've of, got, what, 20 got, years, 30 got, years of experience. You've got to look at the story because, you know, from going back to, you know, we did Coke, right? And then we did these double O double five numbers and everyone was like, oh, and I'd run into some guy who went, you know what? You can actually charge for a telephone call. And everyone's like, no shit. <laughs> um, and then we just went, well, back then it was like, you used to put your television show out and it was an audience. So you'd sell a magazine and it was an audience. And you never knew who it was except for ratings, right? There were ratings points. I wanted to have a relationship with those people. So if you think about where the world's come now, the internet, that thing, it's an intimate relationship with your customer or consumer or your viewer or your passion. And everything we do has that deals with that intimate relationship, and the. Uh, but going on from there, you know, when you're running surfing, you know, we went to Baritz in France and around the world, and we're spending all you know ten percent of Coke's media budget, I think it was at the time, on in associating surfing. It's cool. It's cool. And um, you know, we'd film the WCTs and things, and supply the media stuff for the world, and you know, I got to travel the world, but that was kind of cool. But yeah, at the back of that, Pepsi called up, and it was like Nathan then, and said, well, you're making that, can you do, we want to do extreme sports for a brand we've got called Max coming out. And we went, all right. And so we were one of the only companies in the world to have Pepsi and Coke at the same time in the same building, but they're on different floors. And so it was kind of funny, the Coke truck would come around and drop off machines and Coke, and then the Pepsi truck would drop two machines off and more stuff. And out of that, I went, what am I going to do next? And I'd been... I was the executive producer of Mardi Gras and I'd sold that off to Solly and took it from the ABC to 10 and packaged it and I went, what am I going to do next? And I was looking at all these magazines and we'd been producing a, um, a television pilot for a thing called Net at Night, which was a radio show, which was about what was on the internet at night. And that was before email addresses. You had a CompuServe number and AOL disk on the front of magazines. You would have seen them all in yeah. events. And so... I worked out how to register websites before anyone registered websites and we registered Pepsi and we built Pepsi's first website and I stood in the boardroom of Pepsi and said, there's this thing called the internet. And they went, okay. And so I went down to a couple of guys in Adelaide, well, three guys, Gail, Tony and Wayne, who had a little company called Rising Sun, the three of them. Mm-hmm. And I used to be a, um, Tony worked on the America's Cup with me and you know, they're all fantastic people. And I went, I want to build this website, and they built it on their silicon graphics computer when there was only Netscape. And then we got them people to download an IRC chat, and then we printed on a Pepsi can, which is my office, which you can download. We had 174 people interact with it for the first time ever. That was the first interactive te- television show in Australia. But you can imagine going to Channel 10, you go, right, on Saturday, we're going to transfer break three back to the studio. We're going to go to one third, and we're going to let all the punters at home type stuff live on the screen. And everyone's just like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, this, would, this would mean just, what, late 90s? Yeah, this is like just before 90, the dot-com. 95, and so we built Pepsi's first website, and um, uh, the guy in the corner who helped us build the 
Bones for the website. It was a guy called Simon Hackett, and he went on to be into yeah. So the four of them in the tiny little room next to the Rising Sun pub, which is why they call it Rising Sun, um, helped me put all this stuff together, and that was just a passion going, right, this internet thing's going to be big, and uh, no one had really gone onto it yet, so I bought thousands of domains, which would probably put my kid through private school, and the, you know, just being on the front end of that internet thing, um, you know, then I had worked out people interacting. We started giving away those um, the surfing clothes, and then we I brought E Entertainment. Um, it's a brand, an entertainment brand, probably one of the biggest brands in America for a channel. I brought that to Australia and set that up, and we had a same thing, let's use phone numbers in that to give away. And when we give away movie tickets, we make 50 grand, but when we give away a car, we'd make 10. And then you went, I was just curious about why people paid, I could make five times as much giving away movie tickets, it didn't cost me anything, whereas I had to buy a car and some sort of sweetheart media deal to give away. And I started working out what people interacted with across TV, radio and print for the last 20 years, sales promotions, things, whatever, and then worked out how I could own them. And then back then, there wasn't sub-brands in media. Um, so today you get the paper and you've got Binge, and, which is obviously after their Rupert's buddy app, mm. but you know, you've got um, Body and Soul and the car thing, and they're all divided up in brands. Back then the newspaper wasn't in brands, so magazines weren't in brands. So I went and looked at sub-brands in every type of media. The sub-brands in radio were games, and so I bought all the games in radio, the same way Reg Grundy bought them for TV. Um, and I bought them for, launched a mobile game company in the 90s with Legion, M games and we were on the top of the deck and that was before apps and then we did television shows and calendars and board games and things and you know I'd never even shipped a consumer product back then that was you know 95 96 and we went you know rang up came out and said oh I've got this five, five capital city radio contest called Bella Sexes oh, um, yeah, it's right. really trivial pursuit for the two teams so they could argue and they went yeah came up guy went yeah yeah get lost and it was it's a bit harsh um, and uh, so I called him back from the, his boss back from the phone box actually at North Terrace and West Terrace there near the Newmarket Hotel um, on a shoot I was on one day and said I'm going to come I really want to come see you about this and he went alright come over and see me so I went over and saw this guy called Bernie who was Nick's boss and uh, got walked into the cafeteria and it was quite a famous story and what he said you know, uh, I went, this isn't going to go too well because I didn't even get to go to the office. But I walked out of there with a 10,000 unit order. I didn't even know what a barcode was. And then, like, within 12 months, I'd outsold Monopoly. Yeah. Um, the Battle of Sixes went boom. No, it, was... But it was simple. It was marketing off the back of the five radio things. People play games and buy games they know how to play. You learn how to play it on the radio. That was your right? real big first, well, that's the first game. Consum- right? First consumer product that got me into yeah. games. I wasn't really a gamer. I'm still not really a gamer. My son's a gamer. And, you know, I've got his. Yeah, definitely a gamer. Jet and all of his mates get on, but he Fortnite and but he grand, gee, grand Theft Auto yeah. and stuff and let me get in on another machine downstairs and they try and protect me and um, picking me up from dying and stuff but um, those yeah, gaming's changed. They use you for gaining XP because they're always making you live. <laughs> yeah, they, they actually are pretty good those kids. They, you're like, you're down, you're down, you're hurt, I'll come and save you. Shane, they're always mates like hang up and save me all the time. So, yeah, but I wasn't really a gamer and to be honest, I I really didn't play board games all that much. Um, but what I did learn about, special about board games, is board games were the thing that made people talk and made people communicate. And it was the gel, the gel between grandma and you know, your four-year-old playing Uno. It's the gel between Monopoly and the, the team playing for hours. And you know, what I learnt about 
the board game experience um, was just insane about what drove that category. And you know, it's you only have to look at you know all the you know market results. That that category pre-COVID was driving you know, ten percent compound growth every year, and it's a dire need for social interaction between humans. And it doesn't matter whether it's kids looking to connect with their parents or parents looking to connect with kids or um, friends looking to connect with other friends. It's to get off of this. You against the screen. And so um, it's been the game thing for me. You know, I took that... Imagine, I've got a number one television game show out. I've got a mobile game out that's a thing. I've got the number one website in Australia for three years, 97, 98, 99. I've got the number one game that sold Monopoly for a year and I'd never even sold a consumer product. First thing I did was get a... American Express card and go to um, well, get my card and get my case and went to America and rented a room and went, I'm going to do this. And I started, I went, well, if they play it on five states in Australia, I can get this on like 800 radio stations. This is a DVD interaction? No, no, this was just the board game at the start. And oh, right. That, sorry. Yeah, I went right. across, well, the guy who played Bella Sexes, who um, was probably the first guy to do it on radio, was a guy called Rick Dees. You know the Rick Dees? Yeah, yeah, Rick Dees. And so Rick Dees Top 40 was managed by a guy called Von Freeman, who's a very good friend of mine still today. And Von, I went over to the old Channel 9 hotel on Sunset Boulevard opposite Tower Records there. And basically made my way across to his office and he didn't even turn up for the meeting. I'm like, mm, okay, I went back to the hotel. And it was the wind of Bellage then. We got back to Bellage and there was a note there going, hey, can you please come back? And so I came back and then the next time we did it, we had it on 800 radio stations across America. Wow. Given away every day of the week and we got to number six in the first year in America and that was sort of like, okay, it's just some guy from Adelaide, number six in America in board games and consumer products. I just want to touch on this as you venture through this. The big thing is, anyone listening, it's where all your relationships started, like your relationships when you were just a simple cameraman learning the trade to then the just being able to just show up but it was it's just a trade it's curious right back when i was a cameraman everyone goes well how come he gets all the good jobs how come he wins all the awards you know i was one of the most ordered cinematographers in the country and i just fucking tried harder and i fucking tried harder and Mm. it it didn't matter whether i was building an underwater housing that had never been built for a video camera and it made one blow up in the North Adelaide Pool and ruined 30 grand's worth of gear. But you know what? It was just whether I put a lead on that and we dragged it out and went live off an underwater camera for the Birdman rally for Channel 10 or whether when I worked on the, you know, it was, the, it was actually kind of funny because I started a wedding company and no one had ever done wedding videos before. And, you know, I was a commercial artist at 15 and I'd have to catch the bus there and back. So in the daytime I'd put out ads to, for weddings and film and slide to TV off this home video camera thing and I filmed my cousin's wedding a couple of times my cousins liked it and everyone went oh you should do that for a living so my dad was a you know a serial entrepreneur you know it's hardwired at the factory and he tried lots of different things whether it be amusements I've got them on my wall to you know some of the first those things but you know he was an insurance salesman who door to door in the country and then he became um, worked every weekend and he worked his way up from nowhere um to building the largest you know basically um housing company in adelaide with a couple of partners and he just worked hard and he tried hard but he had the same thing you know i still remember him when i was a kid and you used to have neatest correct entry for competitions and he didn't have anything, right? And they didn't have anything when he got married to my mum. And he'd make 
pop up things and things and think but he'd win the house the fridge the car the this the whatever the whatever because he tried harder and so I think that's been installed as a passion um, uh, you, you just and there's always a way um, uh, just so I, I don't know but just just something you can hard work at the factory and I guess it just becomes a way of life and it's really interesting the people I get I get to hang out with um, you know Top end of Hollywood, the top end of you know entertainment, top end of retail in the world, the top end of thing. You might, you know, it's not too many phone numbers that aren't in there that I can't make something happen. Um, you know, I was getting on a plane um, Friday from Perth at seven o'clock in the morning, and we're smashing through Tasmania and New York four hours before we go to air on CBS, trying to fix some stuff where we're doing something for Supermarket Sweep and CBS, um, so we can capture all this, the data. And so, I just try it's just try would you say Shane in your own words then that being a top achiever in your own words <clears throat> in business is try harder than other people is yeah. it that simple well yeah like you know what it you're never going to get it right all the time you know I get it right probably 1% of the time but when I get it right they're out of the park and mm. slowly but surely, and then I set myself some pretty audacious goals. You know, I don't do things by halves. And, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's just someone will ring me. And it's like, you just end up in a spot that some of these people ring you when they go, get him to do it. Or get him to look at it. And, you know, I'm shopping on Christmas Eve, a couple of years back. And the Nine Network called and said, hey, can we work on a big, we need a big promotion for the block. And I went, can I think about it overnight? I'll call you on Christmas Day. Uh, I've just got to finish my shopping. And they went, cool. I went back three weeks later and packaged up Monopoly out of Rhode Island. The block, the media, the it was meant to be the largest giveaway in the world. I'm really pissy it was the second. The uh, <laughs> <laughs> second largest television giveaway in the history of the world. Which one is this? The block monopoly. Yeah, it's three million dollar prize. It was yeah, the largest. That's the one right here. The, yeah, but you, you, I, I, they I, rang me and asked yeah. me to come up with an idea on Christmas Eve. No, I, 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 I remember big brands. We, 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 we caught up, and, and you're like, "This is what we're doing." I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, we put what? we put ten million dollars through the gate in twelve weeks. Yeah, um, self liquidated on day one. Yeah, um, but you know what? Then out of that, you've now got some of the biggest TV companies calling you going, hey, can you run this? I'm in a project with Howie Mandel at the moment, which is sort of like the Lego master for games for yeah. one of the biggest um, production companies in the world. And you know, who knows where that'll take us. So it's just, it's, just, it's just a journey and it's actually just life. For me, it's just life. It's not work. It's never been about work. It, 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 I actually you can kick out of it. Work. No, right. I mean, you know what? I've had some shitful days, as we all have, and you have to deal with some shitful problems. But like most of the time, it's not work. You know, it's just, it's just. There's nothing we can't do. It's just time. Mm. Time. I wish I could have more time. I think we all agree that if we had more time. But you look. It's it's funny. Lucy and I were talking about this the other day. I said, honey, if I had more time, she goes, nah. She goes, Shane needs more time. That's what she said to me. She said, Shane needs more time. You have time, you still don't use all of it. Right? And it's true because... No, I, I use every you, you, single... That's what I said at the beginning. You are actually one of those few people that I get so inspired even after I speak to you or we're just having a wine in your cellar or in my house where I go, 
I'm just not using enough of my time. And, and you know me well enough, I use a lot of my time. So it's not, but then you meet other people. This is what, and I really want this to come across. When you say try harder, that's what you're really referring to. Deep down, it's this, you know, you think you're doing okay. Like I think I'm doing really well. And then all of a sudden I talk to you and I go, nah, now I can sit there and do nothing about it and be content. Or I get inspired and go, you know what? I gotta do more. I gotta build something new. I gotta look for something, some other edge. Or in my case, it's what can I do for my clients? How can I help them grow, flourish? It's it's that, and I think uh, okay. that's sentimental. There's just some beauty in there. And we do the same. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just the problem we all have is the world's a really small place now. Back when I started, you know, I tell this story, and when I did Battle of Sexes and I wanted to take it to England, thinking now I've conquered America, um, I needed to find a distributor or I needed something. I had to drive into Telstra in the city wait a month to get the yellow pages, take them home, cut them out, send faxes, and send off things hoping someone would reply. Now, I just like ring two people and it's on the shelf at Tesco's. It's just different. And the world doesn't slow down and the world's changing so fast as we head into this metaverse stuff. And mm. you know, we'll talk about that later, but yeah. you just, it just, I mean, I look at my calendar. What's the, t- what's the time? The time is quarter to three. I'm supposed to pick up my son at three, which I'll be late for, and he's prepared for that. Um, but, you know, from there, I've got a 7.30 phone conference with dudes that have got 60 million viewers on YouTube that I've been working on a brief for them. Um, I'm working on one at 9.30. Um, yeah, man, you work all the time, like craziest yeah. hours I've ever seen. No, but it's just communicating. And, you know, I've got a team that put together fantastic stuff. But, you know what, it's just... It's time, and people would say, you know, that's not a good work-life balance. You know, I do have a good work-life balance. I actually get in a helicopter and I take my kid fiddling. Last week, I went and worked from six o'clock in the morning till midday, and from midday until seven or eight o'clock at night. And Darwin, we're out catching twenty-four mud crabs, and the next day we went fishing. The next day we went picking mangoes. But see, I would argue that you have one of the best work-life balances I've ever seen. Because you live life on your terms, Shane. I mean, I've got an American Express card. And, 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 <laughs> you can always get a Gulfstream. Oh, yeah, on yours, yes. <laughs> it's just going to pay it within 30 oh, days. But, you know, it's, about, but, it's also about having fun. And my yeah. passion's into aviation. And, you know, I was with someone... Yeah, but you live your life. I think, right? As oh, someone who gets the privilege to see it. 100%. Yeah. There is basically not much... Uh, I've, if, if I've departed, I've inched every piece of drop... Uh, out of what I've been given. Oh, well, let's just let's just hope that you hang around a little bit longer because I think there's a shitload more you got to do. Um, hey, I'm only just getting started. That's right. Now, let me ask you this question. Business isn't all flowers and rainbows, as we both know, okay? Certainly, we've both had our fair share of failure. But what is your failure experience that set you up for success later in life? Oh, or you- is it just a whole bunch of different things? Do you know what? I fail all the time. Like, you know, the, I guess failure is just... I'm not even sure what everybody talks about failure thing, whatever, success, such and such. At the end of the day, it's just experience. And you go, if you go down that hole, you know, if you go and put your buddy finger, thing in a pencil sharpener, that hurts, right? You don't do it again. Have you tried that? Okay, no. <laughs> um, it just... It, it, it's... But... It, it's... I guess a couple of the big lessons, and if you sort of took big helicopter view of what I'm doing is I came out of school and I didn't really know anything about 
you know, I knew what I knew about running a business I'd get from my dad and what things I learned. And if I did it better, I could earn more money and I'd lots more money than, you know, in earlier life than most people that were still at school earning, you know, doing checkout jobs or whatever. But that was just because I worked. But trying harder got me great jobs. And so by the time I was 16, 17 years old, I was getting about 50 grand a year. Um, to work on some of the best stories in the world, working for the Nine Network. And, you know, it was in their current affairs group and it, we'd travel the world and you went, wow, we'd work on that for six months, come back, and we would make the news. I mean, media's changed today. Now it's sort of, you know, they basically rerun home video stuff and, you know, what was in the newspaper this morning just to fill in content. Whereas back then we actually made the news. But um, I think I just got lost. Where were we heading? Um, with failure experience. Uh, failure. Anything yeah. that's shaped you. I didn't, uh, basically, rewind. At the end of the day, I didn't come from, I still remember having a production company after being in business for a couple of years, going off to learn about what a P&L was and how to use Excel. Right? And so this would have been 18, 19 years old. Mm. And you went, okay, I was great at pitches. And I think pitches were fantastic. But I didn't come out of this at school and being ding but by the time I got through to having the number one internet site and outselling Monopoly and doing all these things I was in business but then because we were the number one internet site some dudes said do you want to we'll invest in your company because you're the number one internet site and we'll float this thing and suddenly all these really you know they're really good people by the way but they came in and you know number one Oxford superstar number one MBA grad at Harvard you know, they all come out of McKinsey. McKinsey stuck them all. The chairman was our chairman. Put them all into our company. And I guess while we were building that, I was in awe watching these guys work. The way they could pull to steal, you know, put stuff up on documents to lead. Except when the market crashed, they put their head in their hands and went, they just crashed their company. And so they gave back to me and I went, shit. This is the dot-com yeah, crash in 2001. Yeah. And so this is the biggest failure was, shit, we've got 17 of the wealthiest people in Australia invested in us. There's 30-odd McKinsey guys running around. I'm like this school dropout who's going, this is pretty cool. Um, but I wasn't, you know, the chief operating officer was running the company and you sort of went, okay. But when they crushed it, I went, oh. So at Oxford MBA, number one, or at Harvard MBA thing, still doesn't make you a genius. And still, you guys lacked a lot of practical bullshit. And that gave me my first, Jesus, that was failure because we had 21 days of cash left and all the investors' money had been burnt up by all these dudes. And, you know, one of the shareholders turned around and said, well, you've got to lead, dude. You know, you work it out. So they all went, started off and went, what am I good at? I'm good at games. I'm good at interactivity. I'm got the yellow pages out again. Went up to Sydney, got a little disc, worked out how to jumble up media, because if you can't shuffle cards, or like chance of community chest, you can't put the variation in thing. That created the patent for interactive DVD, which was interactive TV in a box. So That's right. take my interactive days, I was good at that. Then so really, that, that failure spawned that next little innovation for you. I went up with a one-page business sheet, business proposal to the board and the chairman's office at Double Way in Sydney or wherever he lives, and said, this is what I'm going to do. And I did, I've still got that one page, and I went out and did it, and I turned it into 250 million bucks with a market cap. And that was really imagination's big. With 21 days of money to think, yeah. up to a quarter of a billion dollars worth of value. 
And then in what, in 07, 08, you won World Entrepreneur of the Year? Well, Entrepreneur of the Year in Australia and then got to be in the um, world thing. Yeah, whatever it is. in Monaco, just a casual thing, you know. Yeah, it was kind of cool, big yeah. night. Um, yeah, I, I was very jealous. Expensive. You know, we used to have a publicist and tell everything, everybody about every move we did, and, you know, we don't do that anymore. Um, but you can, you know, once you're Exporter of the Year, the number one arts and entertainment Exporter of the Year, Innovator of the Year in Asia Pacific, Innovator in the Year in North America, and we came out, I came first and Salesforce came second. Um, you know, and so you know, once you've won all these awards, the awards don't do jack shit, they're all dusty in the back. back. You know, I've got a couple of them in my office, but yeah. the other hundred, they're all in boxes in our back and they just get moved around oh, and eventually they're going to get thrown out. It's not about the awards, it's really just about you know, that's you know, more about you know, getting valuations in industry and then whatever. But you know, that one fall over when the dot-com market crashed, and who knew? We had a, we had, you know, it's kind of funny. The people that were involved in that website at that time had built my first CD-ROM game. That guy went on to be the youngest ASX, $100 million guy. He's now got two ASX companies. One of them's in FinTech and now transferred things and coins. I talk to all these people all the time. So... I just call it the imagination bus. I just keep on, all these people are on tap. I can get into FinTech, NFT, any, all the people that have been working with for 30 years are all doing all this stuff and the leaders in all these fields. And so having 21 days of money left, doing a one-page business plan and saying, this is what I'm going to do, going, I'm going to combine gaming and my interactive TV thing. It took two and a half years, but you know, uh, from when that crashed, three years, but I created $250 million, $180 million US worth of value. Um, in basically that's what we're going to get bought for and from having nothing left firing most of the people and thing and so that was great and then you know the next we call that the first big mountain and the second big mountain we climbed was I was just about to sell and I'd have to be the most unluckiest guy on the planet but I'd finished off you know six months of due diligence going out to meet John Malone this is that 2008 period yeah John Malone who owns Liberty Media and you know went how can I combine these assets and let's fight this and I built you know it's actually kind of funny if you look at everything we've done is looking forward into tech so I actually did a slide in a deck for him in 2006 five six which basically said maybe an app is the holy grail for entrepreneurs and interactive TV is it this is a long time ago. This That's right. There was no I've, got word a, about I've got a slide in this document. Yeah. It's the Holy Grail. And we were used, we built an app system to interact in a bar with 30 people and you know, a network. And we were going to take that across his cable networks for the world. And Liberty back then, John Malone owned half a new school, so you know, mm. it was there the editor. And so I went out and did all the fireside chats. I was part of the CEO team, da 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 da. And the deal was meant to close. I was walking into. Um, I was getting 180 million bucks US. Um, I was walking to Jones's on um, Santa Monica Boulevard. The party was set up, and I'm ringing Michael Sasser, who went on to be head of capital for Alibaba. Um, he worked at Libby, and said, "Is the deal done?" And he went, "No, they, the meeting didn't get, go. To, the board meeting didn't happen today because the market sank, and they're all watching the market. And they're at the Allen and Company board GFC. meeting. And that was the GFC. Nobody knew what the GFC said. It's okay. I'll ring you back tomorrow. I'll let you know. That deal never got done. And you just went, fuck." I'd gone to school and in 20-something years built a quarter of a billion dollar company and I was about to check out and then merge up something for one of the biggest media moguls in the world and it all just fell apart. 
and that that was that took a long time to get over because basically then the GFC came and then all my customers stopped ordering my bottom customers went broke the banks came after us because we we're an Australian bank and they didn't want to bank US and US wouldn't bank an Australian company we were stuck in the middle of nowhere yeah, the polys on tap and Simon Perini come down and go there's not much we can do to help you and you sort of go fuck I've just built this company it's falling apart and with 40% swings in currency so you know what I've been at the uh, what do they say the, the smooth ship but he teaches to be a good sailor or something okay. <laughs> smooth ship doesn't teach to be a good sailor um, so that was the second thing and then basically I was going to get out of that and get into innovation in um, aviation and we're still doing lots of innovation stuff just I'm not doing it um, but now, you know, I got asked to do something with Fremantle, I put an app in a box, so I had 50% of the people downloaded, we can now track data on every single person that buys a cardboard box from us, um, and when they use it, who they are and how they do it, we do that all over the world, we've now turned that into, um, you know, I hired a distributor because I didn't want to have all the people again, then I got sick of the distribution because I couldn't get stuff done, and now I've got basically 25 customers, two people in the US, and I shipped to 82,000 retail stores. And wow. we're at 50, pip, we're at 50 point gross margin business. Um, and we have the biggest brand portfolio on the planet. So you sit there and go, it's not so bad. But to get there, I think what's really been really cool about how you just explained all that is it's, it's not all just one big peak. Oh. There's peaks and troughs throughout, and there are significant milestones where catastrophic failure was literally there on the horizon. Both, both of those were catastrophic failure. Yeah. And you were able to manoeuvre out of that, but you'll see, and then I know this, I mean, you had some really clever people that you went out and you grabbed and said, I need you to help me. So it wasn't just... Yeah, like, I was just about to tell you, basically, mm. you imagine going from, in June, July, Monaco, all the pages of the financial press, Financial Review, The Australian, full pages, congratulations being, you know, buddy inducted in the World Entrepreneur of the Year thing. Um, we love you, Westpac. Um, I was to, wondering if you got to, a name To August and September, to some moron who takes over here who's just a buddy, you know, preppy school buddy uh, dude, probably no real business experience, sends us a letter and says, um, we're moving your covenants um, for the next thing and I said well we never made those because we collect all our money in February and they went well we don't care we're going to move to October they moved into October and then they called breach and then they basically put our interest rate up to 19% and called 30 million bucks back on seven days you rang them and they said can't even come in and talk about it get lost and you went how did I go from being like the poster child one month to uh, thing? and you know what it's just basically corporate had said get out of anyone that doesn't have bricks and mortar behind US retail and you just went fuck that was my 20 years of my life what that would rip it up here and so I basically called some dude, and uh, Stephen Young actually, and said, can you come over? Oh, yeah, 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 but can you come over? And I paid him a bunch of money and spent the whole weekend in my, um, my boardroom and said, teach me how not to go broke. As my office is in Italy, France, thing, London, Canada, thing, and the whole thing's just folding. And you know what? I stand hand on heart. Four years later, we paid everybody everything, and we traded out of that. You got Herald involved as well too. Yes, but you, you do, you, and I think this is what's really important about you. You give a lot of credit to the people, not obviously, we don't have a lot of time to go through it because it would take a long time. But one thing that I've always admired about you, when you've had these, and this is what I've learned from you, when you've had these failures, right, you've actually, and, and to also get out, you've gone and sourced really clever people and they've helped you work through it and you've acknowledged it for that. And I think so many people don't do that. They think that failure is a, an isolated thing, but also success is isolated. 
one thing that's really come out of today, Shane, is you have great people in your business. You've got great people but overseas. You've you've got it's great not, people it's not here. You just have to look at any company that we have. And if you look at my advisor list or even my second-run mentor list for these companies, they're like those who have bloody thing. And so, yeah, if I want to solve a problem um, in X, we'll go and hire Y and go teach me how to do that. And, you know, there is not one person, I'm yet to find anyone, who won't take your call and give you, give you some advice if you ask for it. Just not. Absolutely. And, yeah, and I agree with that. And you know, I also, you know, don't take no for an answer and this and whatever, but, you know, I've got some really, there is nothing in life more than experience and your contact list. And I look at, the first thing I did, if I'm putting a new business together, is going, who's my rock star board? My agents and things and lawyers and exit Hasbro for 25 years of brands and things. That collective group there could, it's just insane. And so it's the, it, I basically, back to the imagination bus, who's on the front of the bus, who's the A-team, um, and who's going to help me get, and, you know, some people get off the bus, you know, that bus stop, and we pick up another one at the next bus stop. I just, I just love it, because it's first who, then what. It makes, you know, a lot, lots of people that listen to my podcast and, and know what I, you know, I love Jim Collins' work, and, you know, it, that's a really cool example of the synergies that top achievers have. It's, in your case, it's first who, then what, and that doesn't necessarily mean who am I going to hire before I go and do something? It's who have I got around me? And you mentioned earlier, you know, relationships, right? Um, that That's something that I know is really important to you. You Even when you are incredibly busy, you reach out to people and, and just to see how people are, right? Because that matters to you. Um, I want to just, I know you've got to go pick up Jet. No, it's okay. Um, do you have a business hero? Do you know what? With all the people you've met? You- do you know what? Rupert Murdoch was my business hero for such a long time until the slime ball and his newspaper decided with some fuckwit um, budding journalist who got fired for doing it and they settled, you know, ended up writing some bullshit and tried to... They used this thing called the newspaper rule. So, unfortunately, Rupert's been bloody demoted as my hero um, and I thought he was from Adelaide and he went out and bought a worldwide media empire. But, you know, the scumbag shit they get involved in, um, you know, so he's not my hero anymore. And, but, you know, I look at all the normal ones, but I guess my dad was my hero. Yeah. Um, uh, he, he did all this, you know, he started ice creams in caddies along the beach for Amskol. He built amusement things. He started businesses that failed. You know, so I look at, if you look at my office, it's scattered with his achievements. And so he's my hero. But, you know, for a long time, Rupert was. But I just, you know, that's just a gutter business these days. And they're basically selling print ads to Harvey Norman. It's changed a lot, yes. I can see that. But I, I, I knew that you would say your dad at some point because... It's, you miss him very much. Oh, yeah, you know, all, yeah. the, all, the, all the smart ones. Yeah. Jobs, you mm-hmm. know, his speech of um, uh, think differently. You, know, mm-hmm. you think about what game starts, play differently. Um, it's exactly the same. Um, so Jobs is, it, you know, I love it that he's got the balls. To, and he's not the guy who invented this stuff. He actually just went and put that and that together and found the value in the grey area. And that's my core skill. If anyone, you, you ask any mm-hmm. business leader and say, what's Yanni's in his core skill, he can put that and that together and find a value in the grey area that no one can see. And that's ADD, dyslexia, buddy, OCD, 
you put it all in that blender, but it's the value in the gray area. And so jobs at Branson for marketing, you know, Branson's done some things for marketing. It's made virgin, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, what do you think we do all the time? Stunts after stunts after stunts and, you know, breaking records. So, yeah, but not just now, but for 30 years. You know, I'm just looking at all the questions I was going to ask you in Africa. We've answered many of them. The one, there's a couple that I really would love to know. And you've mentored a lot of people in your time. You've had some great mentees, some that have gone on to do other things. Um, but if you were able to give three lessons that you could impart into someone driven and smart and ambition and had lots of ambition, what would those three things be? You're right. I've had a lot of, you know, the the people that have come through the Imagination Group, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's Mel Vorton, who was a glassy at the Seven Stars pub and wanted to be in TV 25 years ago and we got her into TV as an assistant associate and then a producer and then a thing. And then she sent her off to London and she's now one of the biggest producers in the world and chief operating thing. But she, you know, she rings me from, doesn't matter if it's the Rolling Stones jet or the start of the Olympics going, hey, you know what, I'm still pinching myself here at Super Bowl, about to go live to the world and you gave me that job out of being classy. And you know what, again, hiring for Ding and you, you look at you know Sasha and Shay, both of them, yeah. You know, yeah, Unity came out of thing. Dale was running Kojo, was the double boy at Buddy yeah. Network 8. Um, you know, just, it's just an endless group of people. But, you know, we've had a lot of... I've, I've often helped young entrepreneurs, but they get ahead of themselves and think they're too big too quick. And usually, yeah, you've fl- had a few of those usually flame out. I've done that too. Um, but you know what? I've also helped lots of people. You know, there's a couple of girls here on the weekend that are in the press. And you know, three years ago, they went, "How do you do this?" I went, "Right, it's easy. Blueprint. We do this. We do this. Mm-hmm. We do this." We're in our third year. They've now got global deals. The thing's on fire, and they've you know, they're a couple of mums who are now making you know, X million a year. And you just go, then it'll go up to ten, and then they'll get bought. And you know, we've been part of that. But you know, I've got my own little um, not, not incubator I guess but basically my own little program where I spend three or four you know, different companies and try and help them get to places. Moonshots. Yeah, yeah. Moonshots is sort of where I haven't really got back to it because I haven't had a lot of time but um, it's more about how do I help people do what they want to do because they can't get the 30 years of experience and things and without all the mistakes that I've made and if I can help someone speed up by 30 years and you know I can get them licenses they can't which gets you into the thing and help and sell you know yeah. and you know she's got a great beautiful specialty business and it does really really well here but you know what just it's done a big organic. yeah we've just done a big deal with Hershey's that'll come out next June and now it's a KO thing and we'll be competing on a global level it'll go into Sephora Hershey's are doing all the media um, that'll bust us into the US and you know you t- take a brand and then put it on steroids you know 10, 20, 30 it doesn't take much with 8,000 stores doing one item per week at 10 bucks That's and then num- especially in US dollars another 30% it just it's insane um, and it's so I help lots of people I've got a kid who was back in shelves for a year at a supermarket ringing that I met in Cambodia and he said I want to come over here and I'm like yeah 
you know, just the problem is time. I don't have time for them. And so to get into my inner circle is hard, um, just time-wise. And but you know, he came in and shit, he's going to turn over a million dollars this month. Um, and he's worked out, Amazing. solved different problems, and solved this and solved that, and messing around with director. You know, I want to do digital stuff. We listen to the customers on Instagram, and you sit there and go, right, we'll turn that. But you know, for him to turn a million dollars this month after you know being on three hundred fifty bucks a week packing supermarket shelves six twelve months ago, insane. And you know what? He's a fucking legend. Yeah. So three less three lessons that you could impart then. Because right. you know one of them seems it's big as have the right attitude. Just get up and you know basically, I think part of this, part of part of success is the law of attraction, right? And these are all just talked about a million things. But I was a cameraman, right? I know how to take beautiful pictures, award-winning you do take pictures. Really good no, no, pictures. but but award-winning pictures, and I've always pictured in my head the exact outcome, the exact outcome of play or interactive play or the exact outcome of what's going to look like on the shelf so that law of attraction I know from a picture mm. and so law of attraction but then just try because you know what there's a, basically if one thing I've learned everybody's going to tell you it's not possible everybody <laughs> and you just go it's just bullshit and even if I haven't solved it yet I will and when you're inventing the future it's hard and my other big lesson I think is one of my favourite sayings is People, people who try and catch other people's waves get sore arms mm-hmm. paddling. So too many people are out chasing everybody else's waves. And trying to ride on their waves. Oh, well, just copy someone else. And once it's been done, it, the value's gone. Oh. So the trick is just to find something and, you know, buddy, picture it, go and get it and put it together. But some of these things take years. Also reinvention of, of the masters, right? Like one thing you've done very well is you can bring back a, a brand yeah, well, and, my, and my just reinvent it constantly. The old boss at 60 Minutes used to say, it's uh, Johnny Westcott, he'd say, uh, it's old enough to be new again. Um, and uh, that's... Uh, you've done that. You've done some, some stuff for Uno. Yeah, but, it, um, but everybody does. I mean, you look at Mattel, uh, they just launched some kid's toy that talks through an iPhone. Um, you know, it's old enough to be new again. So people love brands and they have history with brands, especially with gameplay. People buy and play games they know how to play. And you had to be taught it from somewhere. And so a lot of those are old brands. And the shelf spaces get smaller and harder and, you know, as we see all this stuff shrinking and thing and whatever. But it's really about, you know, I just love tomorrow. You know, it's probably no reason, you know, Elon Musk is a great dude, right? You sit there and go, okay, I'm just going to go to space. We'll find the money. We'll work it out. You go, I'm just going to go and build this and we'll work it out. And you yeah. go, you know what? I have no idea I'm going to solve next year's problems, but Jesus Christ, I'll have another couple hundred million dollars to work it out. I'll tell you what's interesting. I could see some people, maybe not our listeners, but other people that might be new to the podcast go, yeah, but that's okay. He's got money. He can do that. Oh, dude. And that's the biggest crock of shit ever. Because the reality of it is, despite the amount of money you might be making in one entity, You've got Dude, cash flow is always a problem. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether you've got big businesses or small businesses. Cash is uh, would be one of our biggest problems, always. And when you're growing fast, cash is just always on the bend. Um, you know, we've been lucky. We haven't needed banks since we sold um, you know a portfolio of our stuff in 2010 as part of that downsizing. So it wasn't incredibly uh, disastrous in the end, but the uh, you know, still you know, considered reasonably well. And um, but you know, cash is you know if you turn over. 
you know, $100 million, you still need 30 or $40 million facility. It doesn't matter whether you've got $30 million, trying to get a facility for that is hard. It's hard. Um, and um, especially when things are, you know, it's easy when it's even. It's just when you're pitching up and going too fast, uh, you know, Again, it's focus. I think if you, you want to add a fourth lesson, you know, my problem, my absolute downfall is I probably stray out of unfocused. I, I, I like the new shiny stuff, um, whereas I should just focus. But so I here's a question for you. I'll let you finish the answer, but then I've got a question for you on it. Yeah, no, I just, I should focus. And I've actually, as I get older, I guess, you know, 54 is not bloody a young entrepreneur anymore, right? Um, um, yeah, you can't, you can't use the word young anymore, but definitely uh, entrepreneur. Yeah, well, serial <laughs> entrepreneur. I actually think being an entrepreneur now is just so much better. I've just got a speed dial from hell and um, you know, there's not anything I can't get to in the, my peers anywhere in the world in one phone call. Yeah, you you are one of the most incredibly connected but people. But you have to earn and, that, by the way. And, and, and you're generous with that too. Like, if I know... If people if you people need your help genuinely, and they're in your inner circle, you help them immediately. On that question of focus, because I, I I'm the same. Focus is what's killed me. You've given me that advice many times, and I think I've learned that now. Like I've really pared that back, and it's really true. When you decide to go all in on just one or three or four things, right? No, there's actually a master plan on how they fit together. <laughs> That's right, there is. I, and only a few people get that. Like, no, but once people sit down, if I actually took you through the banking plan of what I'm doing at the moment, you'd go... Oh, that's like a game of Tetris, but that is genius. Yeah. Um, but you have to put it back together to actually see the value come out. And there's a reason why we did it that way. You've got to learn to explain it to the people around you. And that's where the science, once you can get them on board, then people go, okay, I understand where you're going. You're not just mad. You're not just doing all Do this shiny I'd shit. constantly go and see, for 20 years, I'd go and see, and you know, lots of things people won't understand, but uh, won't realise that we've been involved in. But you know, I'm just this value in the grey area guy. And, you know, billionaires will ring me, such and such will ring me, and go, "What do you see between here and here?" And you go, "I would. I was in Cannes, in, in MIP, and MIP's the TV version of the film festival, and there was some dude with a tripod, with two camera light things, and a plate and a TV with no camera. And I'm like, "What the fuck?" And he's going. Dude, this is late 90s, um, uh, maybe towards 2000, and uh, he's moving it around. I'm like, he's going, I'm inside a video game. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I've run, you know, the, the old PlayStation where you go around a lap and then you'd press it and you'd watch the cameras film you go around? Yeah. He'd worked out how to attach wires to those cameras so you could operate them oh, and no you could way. film. And I went, that's fucking amazing. Imagine if we could film events. We could create new sporting events. So I go up back to LA. David Hill was my boss at sports. Mm-hmm. One, you know, one day cricket, thing, whatever, chairman of Fox Sports. What's that? <laughs> Did you guys build that? No. Yeah, go and see it. It basically it took a few years, but I basically went to see him. And I used to stop past and see him all the time about crazy ideas. And um, I said, why don't we create our own leagues? And we can then film, we'll run all the wires to the truck and we'll film video games from the inside. And he went, well, that's pretty cool. So they put a million dollar prize up. Rupert was behind it for 18 months as the world championship of gaming. Have a look on Wikipedia. We launched it in three countries and we shut it down. That became eSports. As soon as you said that, I'm like, this is eSports. And he went off, just went, imagine if we could just create this, because he did all the sports for Fox Sports for the world. And he just imagined if we could create easy things. So we tried. And even with 
David Hill and Rupert was back in Street Country. country. No, I was there, standing next to the million dollars with the guard at the um, uh, buddy, uh, the expo in the Los Angeles um, Hilton, and it was the gaming convention, uh, E3, and uh, we launched the World Championships series of gaming, and they shut it down in 18 months. Years later, it becomes esports. We were just too early. Yeah, you just go, selling is too early, yeah. You just, you know what, it's just that value in the grey area, trying to get stuff going. You go, you would have thought you'd get a decent start, right? Three countries with Buddy Rupert's group, the head of Buddy, chairman of Fox Sports, all the money you needed, ding and whatever, and we still didn't get right. That's a really good lesson, actually, because that's really powerful for anyone listening that would, you know, has had a moment where they've thought they've created something brilliant and it has worked. And certainly we're all being, we've all fallen in the trap of that. Uh, just, but you just, just brilliant minds, brilliant people coming together can fail. You uh, know, it's just what do you do afterwards? Everyone still went on to do amazing things, just in different areas. Just look at Quibi, right? Meg, who was ex-Hasbro, went on to do eBay. Mm-hmm. And Katzenberg raised $1.7 billion, hosed 1.3 of it in six months on a short-form thing, and I've got more users than they have. That's nuts. In streaming. Um, it's insane. They're out of business. They get oh, 300 wow. back to the investors. Um, uh, 300 million back. And you go, they were the new hottest streaming thing, and they blew one point, They burnt $1.3 billion. Why? Because they were very smart people going after a very business plan that sort of hit COVID and got knocked a bit and this and whatever. Um, and just didn't, you know, they made really one fucking big mistake, which was they tried to make content that wasn't on YouTube and that, people who are on social media wouldn't share. Whereas that's exactly the opposite so of what you should we be doing. Do. It's right. You need everyone on social media to get your yeah. viewers in your system to Correct. get your numbers up and sure, your users up because that's what your business is based off of. Yeah. So <coughs> there are some very smart, smart people out there that get it wrong. Yeah. Like in with bees after them. Yeah, no, I, I, I know that. No, but so here's the question. When you are overwhelmed, right, and when you are unfocused, what do you do? Do you know what? I've had a... I knew you were going to ask this. Um, <laughs> I've had a... Had a... Had a... Um, a skill. And I don't know whether it's... When everyone goes into panic and fight or flight, I just sit down and it's just like, right, I'm running the tower. It's New York. I've got 40 planes. I've got six going out to Indianapolis. It's snowing to the shit. I've got one runway open. I can basically sit there and control it in military organisation. And a lot of the time I don't, until I get into that zone, it's just a bit, yeah. But once I get into that zone, it's just like laser. So you just live for that anxious moment? Do you know what? It comes from live television, right? Um, I remember putting live television to air and we were still editing break three by break one's on air and it's been driven across to the thing and we're holding the running two extra commercials and driving across the harbour bridge i love crisis management um and i think once it goes into crisis management i just press reset my screen goes clear and it's just like i got this yeah i've seen you go through some crises in 20 years and i think that's a very good way of putting it you have an incredible ability to be adaptive. You adapt very, very quickly to the environment that you're in. Get some sleep, clean your desk, write the list. Have you taken that advice to get the sleep bit? Because at times I've spoken to you where it's like, oh, I've been up all night and, and, and I've got to do all these calls to the Europe now. And it's like, no, look, I know that. Look, it's, it's, we've gotten on. Any books? I know you, uh, look, well, we know you're not a massive reader. Well, being, right? being, 
dyslexic, and I've never been formally uh, dyslexic, but I think that's why I didn't do well at school and I was really good at you know, trades and things, um, you know, tech. Um, and then being sort of ADD, um, it's more, and I've never been diagnosed with that either, but it's been fun watching my 12-year-old um, um, from, you know, he's from 6 to 12, get diagnosed with dyslexia and have to sit through the test with him and go, yeah, shit, dude, I think you got that from me. Um, and then he's got exactly the same traits, which is, you know, uh, which, you know so... Being dyslexic ADD, I'm not a great book reader because can I read something and get it for information or read a cookbook quickly and just be able to make it up? Yeah. Um, can I, do I read books religiously to try and find out more about stuff? No. I even got an Audible service years ago and I haven't even used it yet because I just don't have time. 65 credits. <laughs> in fact, I still can't even remember the password to get, in there to get the credits to give them away. Um, and now you don't even remember the email you know, that's couple, attached to you. There's a couple of books. You know, one that I've carted around my whole life, which was my dad gave me one when even about 1986, which was called The Psychology of Winning by Dennis Waitley. And, you know, that was just... Yeah, that wrapped it up for me. And, you know, I haven't read for years now, but that was the one I carted around as motivation. Is it because your dad gave it to you? Did you read it? Yeah. Oh, so, okay. so, so is it and maybe... I bought it for lots of other people. Right, so is it maybe because it's the only book you've read that it's no, really had that I've much impact? I've read Fifty Shades of Grey when <laughs> I was working with E.L. James. Well, you've got, you've got the copyright to that too. Well, you know, I was working with E.L. James on some stuff and I went, I'd better read this before I meet it tomorrow morning because it's rude. Um, Did the, you read it? Yeah. And the I, whole thing? Well, yeah, most of it. <laughs> the, uh, the big books, right? Like, But you know, I can read, but it's just like... I do, I, you read so many contracts, so many other things are important. Yeah, but you know what? My team... Look at me. It doesn't matter whether it's design or a spreadsheet. You can give me 172 pages of spreadsheet, I'll find a mistake in three minutes. And it's patterns. It's not. It's yeah. not anything. It's. I'm looking. It's a pattern thing. And so, classic dyslexic traits. And so, um, I don't enjoy reading. Um, I will watch things. And now with YouTube, there's nothing you can't ask YouTube from fixing the gate to learning how you know, this process works or that or finding someone. Uh, as we've come into vision and stuff on demand and the internet, there's nothing I can't find out in seconds. That Information is and so easily. The problem is I want to know about it right now and then I'll do it right now and then I'll cut and paste that two bit and put that there. So is that the secret weapon? You use YouTube for everything? No, not everything, but basically the internet is uh, you know, ins insane, right? I love what you said at the beginning. When you first started... You had to use yellow pages. Most people won't even know what yellow pages is. Takes, rip them out, faxing Between people. our Sydney and Melbourne office, we'd have to go to the boss's office and get the boss's secretary to write a telex because there wasn't even faxes yet. And then the faxes came out and they'd roll up on that heat paper and then if you left them for two days, they'd disappear. Yeah, because uh, the yeah, thermo paper, just, right? Is that what it was? Yeah, just... You know, whereas now, my my boy's doing you know, business plan and selling stuff and he goes hey Siri what's the conversion of the English pound versus the Australian dollar today and Siri works it out and tells him um, it's insane he doesn't even type in there anymore yeah no I was watching him I was watching my son too and I'm thinking you guys don't even like type you just talk no I still type because it's just a yeah for me I do the same I type but it's just how we grew up doing it and it's habit forming right it's habitual habits but the next generation 
they're not going to talk. You, you just ask. And I asked him, what are you, he was doing something the other day, and he said, oh, can I um, buy another PlayStation controller because I want to paint them and I want to sell them as custom artwork things. And gotcha. went, okay. I said, how are you going to pull that apart? And he's like, oh, no, I don't fix it on YouTube. I've seen it. And he's gone through the whole thing, pulled it out miraculously, painted it all in waves of different colours and sold it for three times what he bought it for. And you sit there and go, what a genius. Um, so You've done some clever things. You're sort already. There is nothing you cannot find out um, now. And so as much as I would like to get into this audible thing, even when I get on a plane, everyone goes, oh, look, read a book on a plane or thing. It's just, when I get on a plane, I just want to watch a movie and chill. I don't work on planes very rarely. I did on the, did on the way back from Perth the other day. But you know, apart from that, I would get on and go to LA and not touch my work and just watch a couple of movies. Yeah. Go sleep. If we had more time, I'd... I'd, I'd talk more about that because I've got the same thing there is one more question and then you've got to go pick up Jet so what you what habit forget new what habit belief or behaviour do you think is the one that has improved your life the most and can improve someone else's life lists really I yeah, one of my business mentors someone I highly regard as one of the smartest people I know his list management system and the way he manages people and things from list is insane. And um, that's how I can keep track because basically I'll be on something now and I won't remember it tomorrow. And if, unless I manage these lists, um, yeah. Do you keep it in a, in a, in a physical format or on I a used, phone? I or? used to do, which used yep. to be Wonder List. Yep. And I share that with, it doesn't matter what there's aviation lists or this list or you know, want to go visit lists or travel lists or preferred hotel lists to ideas lists to trademark lists to you know, hundreds of them and they're all shared with different people to get cleared. Wow, okay. That is epic because it's funny, I also work to lists but everyone's always said to me, that's not the right approach. And I'm thinking, well, that's the only way I can keep track of everything I'm doing. And I also, I'd share it, but I don't use it. I'll go one step further now that we put stuff in lists and we get green light by different people. And I, again, this mentor of mine taught me this. You basically get the departments to sign off on the things. And if they're all green, I don't look at them. If they're one red, I'll look at them. Um, And tech, and then you can basically go. And that's how you delegate it out. Yeah, you can sit there and go item 11.7. Here's the thing in verbal and just leave it in the cloud. Um, And anyone can grab it. Brilliant. I love it. We talked briefly about GameStar at the beginning. Well, GameStar we talk- is about to change the world. Well, do you want to tell us in one minute? Well, why? You, you know what? If you look back at what I was trying to do, first mountain, dot-com crash. Second mm-hmm. mountain, GFC, and you know, quarter of a billion dollars. Um, I would have been very happy. You know, I'd already had the jet for 15 years and ding by then, and you, you're quite, you know, could have just basically retired, and, but I'll never retire. Um, and... I got back into this this gaming. I had a couple, you know, had to rebuild, you know, get the company down, cashed out, a whole chunk of change, and then my business partner decided he wasn't coming on the third climb, and so he's gone, and I bought their share back, and went, you know what? That app I put in these games four or five years ago, I sat down with the buyer at. Um, came up and we'd sold 700,000 units in 214 stores, made a few million bucks. But I'd put this app in and it had been downloaded 355,000 times and it had been pushed 60 million times in three months. And out of that 60 million times, I could tell you who, when and where and run a 365 
you know, eventually run it around a 65-day calendar and work out what the biggest game playing days are, who played it, when, ding, and they still do it and how repetitive these people are. So for five years I went, you know that app that was the Holy Grail in 2006, five, six, that could have been the Holy Grail for an entrepreneur? I basically went and then I made games on DVD. So adding a DVD, putting a DVD in a box with games took 30% of the industry worldwide. And I became Hasbro's partner in 28 countries and things. And some of those titles did put me on $100 million per title. Um, I spent five years buying the content to build the Netflix of games or the metaverse for families. And then, so if you look at streaming today, streaming, you know, uh, Reed Hastings, uh, Netflix, when I was doing 1.7 million units of Deal or No Deal, which was opening an interactive box of Deal or No Deal, he would deliver those paper wallets for us. And I used to get any clients that me on a phone conference with him and they would deliver these games. When they went to streaming, it was all buffering, right? And so I've, to do what I wanted to do, I needed to send 50 packets to jumble up things in boxes. And so interactive. And so back when I started DVD games and put that into Google, um, no one had ever, nothing came up. So I earned a patent for that. I took that to market, took me a couple of years. First order was $14 million. I had to borrow $7 million to make them. Went out and sold hundreds of millions of dollars worth, half a billion. And it was enormous. But it was still at retail and I still needed shelf space. And I still needed to go through pitch in July, pitch again in October, get the order in January, ship it in July, most of 70% of your sales in October, November, collect the funds. It was a 20-month cycle. And as we've gone more and more digital, so you think about, you know, Netflix went DVDs to streaming. Yep. Spotify went music industry to streaming. Audible books to streaming. No one's Spotify my board game business. And so I bought 50% of all the content in the world and now running thing, I've got A-list celebrities, you know, huge roster of talent. So it's all split around gameplay patterns, game brands, tech and talent, but it's Tomorrowland. And we've got a path to get you there. Think about putting crumbs out on the ground and you get them to 0.5 and then 1 and then 1.25. Because if you put people in at high tech, you'll lose the rest of America. If you put people in low tech, you'll lose the thing. So you've yep. got to give them a path. But our you know, three, four year tech horizon, um, we've just taken a CTO from Disney Plus. You know, we've taken people from all the biggest companies. Um, um, we've funded this ourselves. Um, we've just gone out for uh, 10 million US of money against a $40 million valuation, uh, which we set course next week for a $250 million valuation, $50 million um, US. Um, we've got games in market momentarily, um, but that app's got 700,000 people on it around the world now, which was basically anyone that bought a dollar pack. That's your first of, customers. Yeah, 700,000, which is more than could be at 1.3 billion. Um, we'll just do an up upgrade overnight and we've got basically the Netflix of family game night. And you know, it doesn't matter whether it's trivia channel and my biggest opposition back then was seen it. And seen it was a movie trivia game with the people behind me that I fought the pattern for. And they had movie clips and Mattel ended up shipping 200 million of that. And that's a hundred more than they did of Uno a year. Um, I went to Paramount five years ago to get that and Fred, the chief operating officer, couldn't sell it to me because it would have wrote their profits off that year for what they paid for it off the balance sheet. So he licensed it to me for a very extended period of time. And um, now I have that and that's 200 million a year. And when Comcast tried that in 2004, it had 60 million, 60 million, sorry, 2 billion interactions. So we've built a network now that looks like game shows, adult games, 
birthday party games, murder mystery nights, things. But the secret, if you look at uh, Michael Pachter, is uh, you, you look at the analysts that I look at from Wedbush, Morgan Stanley, um, a streaming company now, they're calling it Streaming Wars, as they're all starting to stall at the 200 million thing, they're looking for more customers and they start to go, so if you look in Australia, you've got KO and Binge and thing, that's a streaming package of what they call yeah. fringe streamers, sport thing, whatever, we're the game night streamer. But the, what we're doing that's really interesting is going back to 2006 where we made that app and you interacted via your, um, your um, the same way your Sonos operates off your Wi-Fi in your house. Mm-hmm. You now can flip your phone and it'll spin the Wheel of Fortune or Michael Myers will play the, the escape room and smash on your TV and ping me the clue and I've got to go and find something in the house that I've planted. It's going to be brilliant. And so we've basically connected the Internet of Things to your house or your wherever to make a three-dimensional gaming platform that people play in, families and friends. So it's our metaverse. And so all the press is thing. you know what, we may fuck it up, but I doubt it. Um, Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. Um, <laughs> Please don't. Not this but time. But you know what? It's it's sort of like I've got eighty two thousand retail stores pushing into it. I've got a list celebrities pushing into it with their reach, other people's reach, other people's brands. We could have fuck up. That's actually. Well, where, where do you see? Mate, you know what? You know they, what? they always used to teach me. When I was a cameraman, you get all these great jobs and you went, yeah, I'm going to Hawaii. You're not going to Hawaii until the plane lands in Hawaii. Um, yeah. So you go, you know what? The business plan is solid. Um, we have some rock star people. We're going to execute like hell. If I get a million people on in the next 12 months on these first two games and we sell more than that at retail, like in one flavor we sell three million. If I sell one million of interactions on top of my 700, I've got 1.7 million people. Um, the analysts are saying at one, billi- at, at one million people, each customer's worth $60 paid or unpaid for advertising times 10 is the lowest streaming multiple for a shitty boring streamer which is just a generic me pushy content streamer mm-hmm. the interactive streamer would you know the top end streamers are getting 40 times revenue even if we got um 20 times because we're the first of the interactive streamer where i can use your wallet to interact with tv uh, which is what i've been passionate about my whole life um that'd make us a 1.2 billion dollar us company by next year um which is you know two it's a lot of money. Um, you go out and raise some stuff, and you know there's no reason why. And you know we'll, we'll go out and keep executing until it makes sense. But if I was one of the big guys, you'd go, hey, you know what? We put five years into basically owning game night. And so the trick with games isn't you can just you can make new content, but people want to play the games they know how to play. So we've gone and locked up most of the games we know how to play so we've got Family Feud's going to be top of the well you you go across the game shows and you've got Deal or No Deal Wheel of Fortune Ding whatever you go Family Feud but on Family Feud you go Family Feud Family Feud Wildlife with the Irwins Family Feud San Diego Zoo they've got 6 million people they go to Family Feud Kids goes out to Ryan he's got a billion on YouTube Family Feud it's just we're now making you know Basically, Jim Jeffries and the game show and that thing, and you know, Weed Channel and messing around with um, Snoop Dogg and uh, messing around with you know, we've got Cheech and Chong under contract, and you sit there and go, we're now basically using, and the, the fundamental thing of GameStar that's very different is everyone's built a gaming business, you against the screen, all my opposition, Apple, there, every single person, and they're worth trillions. Um, you, it's you against the screen. We're using the screen. For the reason everybody's everybody's fatigued out against the screen, we're using the screen to control experiences between humans. 
not control or deliver experiences between humans. And once we do that, you've basically you know, digitized game night. You, the world's our oyster. It doesn't matter. It's simple as uh, birthday parties. Mum goes, and you know, this is, to be honest, I put myself in anything we do in a customer's position all the time. It doesn't matter whether we're researching Uno and you close your thing and you ask a focus group of women about Uno and you say, what's the one thing you hate about Uno? And they go, the box breaks, the guards got to put a rubber band around them. So I go, why hasn't someone sold an Uno holder? So what do you think Imagination does today? We are Uno. I went down to Buddy, you know, the stationary thing, the, uh, the kids one in Rundle Street, pulled up old pencil cases, sent them over, and now we make Uno custom cases for mum. And so you go to Great the, number one, yeah, number one problem in birthday parties, You've got to go out and buy the cups, the plates, the thing, whatever. You go to Walmart or Target and you buy that. And then you go and get a cake. And then you've got to come home and run the party. So we now sell pasta parcel in Frozen 2 wrap. And you come home and put birthday parties, go across to Frozen 2, and the Frozen 2 characters will sing you happy birthday. They'll play all the games for mum. So we control the birthday party. It doesn't matter whether you've got trivia nights or... Yeah. It just... It, it is endless. This thing is just... It, so for every million customers, let's say a valuation of somewhere around a billion US... Um, I get 10 million customers, that's 10 million US on the low end, and it's just insane. And so we're going to go out and buddy, go like hell. But you know, we've got you know, a pizza company dating us at the moment for going, hey, let's just do pizza and QR code and game night, which will get us 10 million customers. Um, wow. And so I'm, you know what, I've been trained, as I keep telling people, I've been training for this for basically my whole entire life, every single thing. Uh, and every single relationship, whether it's Howie Mandel um, for doing 1.7 million units a year of deal or no deal, he's now hosting a new game show for us. Um, it does. I've just been, my agent's been my agent for 20 years in Hollywood. Um, he's now director of innovation for the, the one of the top three agencies. They're now shareholders. You know, my the ex head of CAA has been a board member of mine, a mentor, a person who gave me the rights for Monopoly who used to sell my merch for the surfing thing, went on to be the head of Hasbro for 25 years in brands, who did things like the Monopoly promotion um, and worked out of Rhode Island for 25 years. She's on the board of GameStar. Mel, who is the yeah. producer in the world, on the board of GameStar, the head of eSports for the NFL, on the board of GameStar. Um, we're ready to roll. Do you know what I loved about asking you that question, Austin? This is why I said to you at the beginning, I want to leave that last. Oh. Everything you spoke about, every characteristic that you demonstrated in the podcast today, in that last three minutes, right, you just demonstrated passion and purpose. And, and I think that's, again, it, you know, even though we're friends, I get, even now, I sit here and I go, and you've told me this story before you even got to this point. And I was, remember what I said to you? That the seller, I just do like, you know what I've been out yeah. for years trying to go, hey, let's get some investment, let's get some investment. You do one thing and then suddenly you've got... You know, we've got one of the top tech hedge funds in the world ringing us going, here's a check, we're watching you boys. And you're like, seriously? And you start watching your LinkedIn and they're like, oh, such and such from X is looking at you and X. And you're like, shit, something's just happened. Um, but you know what? The best thing is, is I watched, uh, I sat back and I watched Hasbro do a deal with EA and I just went, oh, I'm livid. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> but you know what? The guys who make games that you play against your phone don't know how to control experiences between humans which is what I've been doing my whole life but you've done it in real life like as in even just in your own environment your own friendship circles you you look one of the things that blows me away when I first heard of GameStar and I think actually we'll smoke your cigars outside the pub 
That's how long ago it was. That was like three and a bit years ago. No, it's been going for five, five or six years. You know, with we, a, with we, a ten year. I remember that time you took that call and you're like, "Here, take this other call, hold my phone." I'm like, "What are you doing?" But if we're going to write, a book, if we're going to write a book about GameStar, it, it, when it wins, it will it will win in some way, shape, or form. I just want it to, to go. You know, it'll find its home. But to go back to that slide, I could, you know, I had to fly it to John Malone's buddy runway and get picked up by his buddy thing and go and see him because he was going to buy this thing and yeah, he owns F1 and Liberty Media and mm. but you go that one slide I would put up it's basically an app might be the holy grail for an entrepreneur for interactive TV it's exactly what it's going to be yeah just took me 14 more years <laughs> persistence favours so luck favours the persistence well, tell me the other day the guy wrote the script for Buddy Pirates of the Caribbean it took him 16 years to get Disney to make it. Never give up, dude. Never, Never give, up. give up. Shane, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. I really appreciate it, and I know how busy you are. I know you got to go pick up your son, and I know you got to go make some phone calls. Thanks, man. Done deal. Appreciate it. Cheers, brother. Are you ready to start taking action on your business? Would you like to spend more time with your family? Then call 1300 643 229 and start building momentum right now. I know you're busy. In fact, you are so busy that you don't have time to work on your business or yourself. Often tossing and turning at night, worrying about the how-tos and the cash flow. How on earth can you possibly get off the hamster wheel so that you can take a helicopter view to see where you'll be in 90 days, one year, or three years from now. In this program, I will take you from sleepless nights to blissful sleep. You'll have more time with your family and you will have the clarity and direction so you can grow and flourish. Call 1300 643 229 now and start building momentum.